uh, which is great stuff. Now, uh, next week, Thanksgiving, okay? Thanksgiving coming seemingly a little earlier this year, but it's always that third Thursday uh, of the month. So we will not be meeting here. Now, if you're close enough with your guys that you still want to meet on Thanksgiving, that's great. Uh, If you show up here, though, probably no one else is going to be here. So we have off next week. Then we'll resume the week after that. We'll be on for a few weeks, and then we'll take a, a little while off for Christmas as well. So no quest next week. Uh, Enjoy the time with your family and have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Today we are uh, pleased to have Ben Pritchard uh, uh, talking to us today. He is the Minister to Adults and the Assistant Minister to Education. Is that correct, Ben? That's a long title there, but uh, he he does a lot, and so we're glad to have him here. We're going to pray for him and pray over this time, and then we will get underway so we can have plenty of time to talk uh, at the end of this session. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the change in seasons and the cooler weather. And thank you for this food that you have provided, God. I pray that it would nourish us for your glory. I pray, Lord, that you would speak mightily through Ben and that you would show us what you desire us to learn today through the words that you give him. God, I pray that you would bring down barriers that we build around our hearts that prevent us from being honest with ourselves and honest with the men around us. So break that down, God. Change our lives and make us more like Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, amen. Thank you much for uh, allowing me to be here. I joined the staff this uh, past summer. Uh, just a brief word for those of you that may not have uh, met me yet. Uh, we have been in uh, Houston for about six and a half years. We were over at Metropolitan Baptist Church, and I was doing the uh, Ministry of Education there. Started uh, talking with uh, Brother Jason, who was a compadre and friend in ministry, and uh, sharing with him, or he with me, about the ministry opportunity that uh, they were thinking about here. In essence, uh, I came alongside Jason, and he is our supervisor in that division. But um, besides doing adult work, that uh, ministry of education, I coordinate really all the age group on Sunday morning. So I work with Cindy Pitts and Doug and all of the staff and Eric. And so uh, we're grateful that uh, God has brought us here, and it's been an exciting time this time. Uh, we did this same series uh, at the Met, and uh, very familiar with Robert Lewis. I served a number of years over in Little Rock, Arkansas, so they were literally, uh, I live just around the corner from this church, and uh, it's an awesome church, and I can tell you they really practice uh, what they preach, and they are uh, definitely a part of this whole whole ministry is, is just uh, fantastic over there. I have uh, been in the ministry 38 years, and uh, one of the things I look forward to sharing, and and I was thrilled with the particular assignment I got, because it is something that has ministered to me through the years, and God has used it in such a special way. I'm so grateful and excited for the men's ministries in our churches, and the fact that um, God has um, really raised up a number of men, because uh, many years ago, we accomplished this through other types of ministries, and then those sort of went away. And we went through a period where a lot of the men's groups just sort of dissipated. So I'm grateful for that. I know you've been covering a lot of uh, unpacking the suitcase, as Robert Lewis would say, looking at some of the relationships, or, or in some cases the lack of relationships with uh, those intimately close, dads, moms, and that sort of thing. And today we are going to look at the relationship that uh, is a wound that, uh, as he emphasizes, often we bring upon ourselves as men, and it's the all-alone wound. We do this and we hurt ourselves by sometimes 
refusing to see that um, life is a team sport. Now, all of us, in one way or another, have become familiar with working with others and having to work with others, and we're grateful for God using that in our lives. But I want to look at that real closely with you, and we can see all kinds of examples. The first thing that uh, he emphasizes is these three significant relationships. Um, we see this a lot in nature even. Uh, all of us are familiar with seeing the geese fly in the V formation or the ducks, and you've perhaps heard somewhere through the years the fact that uh, the way that's happening is they're relying upon each other. They get more lift, they can go further, they can travel at greater speeds, and so they work together. Uh, Robert Lewis talks about a friend of his, a great book uh, that Stu Weber has, where he emphasizes that once before there was a one of these uh, fairs where everybody comes together with their work animals and, and they show them and, and give awards to them. There was two great big work horses that there was a pulling contest and uh, each of these horses sort of tied each other at pulling 4,000 pounds. 4,000 pounds. And so uh, somebody along the way said, well, wonder what these guys could pull if they pulled together and they pulled 12,000 pounds. Because when we, when we work together, we always increase, we always uh, multiply our efforts. So let's look at these three uh, significant relationships. The first one is the admiring mentor. The admiring mentor. Now, usually this comes in the um, early first half of our life, uh, for the most part. Not necessarily, and it can happen throughout life. I have men right now in my life who uh, have been my mentors, who, have, uh, who are still living, who I still visit regularly and sometimes write, sometimes phone call, even though the relationship's very different at this stage. But I still look to these men as real uh, depths of wisdom and guidance. And we, uh, we're talking about the type of relationship that is deeper and more intimate. Uh, they care about you. They are someone who, who longs to see you succeed. And, um, and this is the type of relationship you just can't go out and manufacture. You can't buy it. But it is a mentor who can really come alongside of us and do something that even our dads can't do because many times that parent uh, will not see you in the uh, eyes that everyone else sees you because they see you as that loving dad. Now, I'm not, that's not to say a dad can't be, and I, I did not have that privilege of having a dad that was a mentor to me, but I know many, many of my friends who, who literally had that relationship. So maybe you did. But we need to have that, that good friend that good mentor, that admiring mentor who, who looks to you and is pushing you along, guiding you. And I might add, for those of you in the group that are younger, it is very, very important, and what uh, Robert Lewis is emphasizing, we really need to uh, cultivate and seek out those people. I will tell you, my, my, one of my mentors uh, that probably has had the most profound impact on my life uh, not probably, no probably to it, he has, is a minister of education named Leon Kilberth. Leon came through my church uh, where, uh, when I was 22 years old and had just gotten out of seminary. 
And uh, it was real funny. He, he was known all across America as Mr. Sunday School. And he was uh, uh, traveling around the country, and it was very, very hard to get these guys. And my uh, uh, Sunday school director that we used in those days came up to me uh, about two weeks after I was there as a young, brash guy at a seminary that thought I knew everything there was to know. And he said to me, you just can't believe we've got Mr. Sunday school coming. I've got to tell you honestly, guys, in my mind that moment, I didn't say it out loud, I told my wife later, who chided me, but you know what I said in my heart? Well, why do you need Mr. Sunday School? You got me. You know, I just got out of seminary. You know, I really thought that. I'm ashamed to admit it, but as a young man, I didn't see that. But I'm grateful to God that in the very first session I heard Leon speak, I knelt when we had the invitation. You know what my prayer was? God, let me get close to that man. He has something that I don't have. He understands a whole new dimension of everything I've studied and everything I've given my life to. And God answered that prayer. So one of the things, file it away, one of the things, you young men, if you do not have that admiring mentor relationship in your life, one of the things that you can do is is ask God to help you develop that. Ask God to send that person into your life. Get your eye on the right person who is someone excelling. Now, real quickly, the other one, the next one he mentions, is a side-by-side friend. It is so important, and this occurs primarily throughout life, but it's so important to have those side-by-side friends, those, those guys that we have just an unspoken, deep loyalty to that we will connect with perhaps for the rest of our life. Uh, We live in a very mobile society, and perhaps one of the greatest challenges to this is the mobility of our society. My one, I suppose I'd have to say, my absolute dearest friend that is truly, truly as the Scriptures say, closer than a brother, lives in East Tennessee now, over in the Knoxville area. And so we don't get to see each other much, but we talk and we email. And, and it is amazing that even with great distances and sometimes great amounts of time, when you have this type of friendship, when you reconnect, you feel that it was just yesterday you were together. And it's amazing. I have another one of those that's uh, here in town. And what you need to do um, is develop those kinds of friends. Now, I mentioned the one that's here in town. The, the, the truth of that is we've been separated for many years, probably the last 12 or 15 years. Uh, I was off serving over in Atlanta and different places, and he was here in Houston. So we're re- enjoying a resurgence of uh, that type of intimate side-by-side, that real soulmate that we have. And, and, and cherish that, guys. One of the things you're going to probably here again as we look at it, is that these are not to be taken lightly. I read somewhere that many adults will go through their entire life and maybe have one intimate, close friend that we're talking about on this level. Someone you can share your soul with. Someone you can share your really your warts, where you're really hurting, and you can be totally gut honest with them and let them know what your feelings are, and they're not going to reject you. They're going to stay by you. Those kind of friends. Henry Ford uh, was once asked, 
to name his best friend. And uh, then the young uh, reporter went on to name all of these uh, other barons of that era that he hung with, the Carnegies and the Vanderbilts and all of these great names of early American history. And he said, no, you haven't named him yet. Because he said, young man, your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. Isn't that good? Brings out. So you need to look for a side-by-side friend, someone who will bring out the best in you. And then there's the needy protege. The needy protege. And this occurs primarily in the second half of life. Uh, you, <clears throat> I, I find myself, and there's a few of you I can tell by the, uh, uh, the shades of hair and lack thereof, that there's a few in the room that, that we are getting into this era of life. And for us, what that is, is the relationship where we become the mentor. It's where we become the one that pulls alongside a younger man. One of the greatest joys I have right now in my ministry is not only doing my week-to-week ministry that we do, but is in, it is in trying to help and bring along other young ministers. Who I look back and think of those words of advice that Leon Kilbreth and other great men who have mentored me, uh, and I try to share that with another generation. We need to work toward that if we're in that second half of life. Now, young men, the, the caution or the encouragement to you is you need, again, to seek out that type of relationship. Robert Lewis says, I really do believe that it is the greatest opportunity and one of the greatest rewards in life for us in our older age as we come into that second part of life to give away, to help bring up another young man. And if we don't, if we do not have these three relationships in our life, we will indeed, uh, by the time we go home to be with the Lord, we will have shortchanged ourselves. We will have limited all that God could do. Someone has, uh, even I read in the uh, Harvard Business Review that uh, a statement that said, everyone who makes it, and we know by makes it, what they're talking about in this article was those who achieve, who, who excel, those who make a go of life, has a mentor. Lee Iacocca, those of you may remember, some of you from uh, history maybe, but Lee Iacocca did a phenomenal job and during the 70s and 80s turned uh, Chrysler around when it was on the junk heap and uh, is a paragon of uh, management style, said, to be successful, you have to have mentors along the way. So, young men, let me encourage you to seek out those admiring mentors, those, those men who themselves find us in the age of being the needy protege that we're ready to uh, extend out and have that kind of relationship. All of this, if we fail to develop those kind of relationships, we develop what Robert Lewis has termed the all-alone wound. And let's, let's define that just for a minute. The all-alone wound. Look at this definition. It is a social, emotional, and spiritual loss. Socially, we, we are shortchanged. We do not have the camaraderie of a team partnership with other men. 
Emotionally, we suffer because we fight those emotional battles of life and we all fight them. We fight them alone. And spiritually, there is the loss because we need spiritual guidance. We need that kind of direction caused by the lack, that is a loss caused by the lack of healthy male comradeships that results in these things, loneliness and discouragement. It has been said uh, by, by most surveys taken that most men are, even though extremely successful in life maybe, are very, very lonely today. We have acquaintances, but we do not have friends like I'm talking about, not like those side-by-sides. And, and, and there's discouragement when we have no one in our life to encourage us. Foolish behaviors and blind spots are terrible. And we're going to uh, illuminate on this a little bit in just a moment. But a, a foolish behavior, we just without a, a side-by-side friend, without a mentor, without that needy protege in our life, we can make uh, foolish decisions. We can do things that we wouldn't do normally. We have blind spots, and, and yes, we all have blind spots the best among us, because we're, Christ said we are, our feet are clay. We're all sinners saved by grace. We are walking in a sinful world where the devil has charge at this time. He rules for a little while, but we all have our blind spots, and we have short-sighted masculinity, uh, the world's definition, the uh, media definition of what it means to be a man is not true, manhood and so we have this macho style i'm all alone in the world i can face the world alone i did it my way type of mentality which is lifted up by the media but that's not true manhood not true godly manhood so we need to to be aware of the loss of that so what is the point well the point is that every man there we go Every man benefits from the company of other men. Now, uh, Robert Lewis in, in his material shares an illustration that uh, is of the English warriors under Henry V who had fought their way into France, who were quite depleted in their force strength size, who were really worn out and battle-weary, and uh, they, they are about to try to get back to England and if you've seen the movie or play Henry V, that, uh, they are cut off by fresh, greatly outnumbering them, French army. And he talks about that, but um, Brother Eric is great, and he's got the clip, so listen to this. Of fighting men. They have full threescore thousand. That's five to one. Besides, they are all fresh. It is a fearful odds. Oh, that we now had here. But one ten thousand of those men in England that do no work today. What's he that wishes so? My cousin Westmoreland. Oh, my fair cousin. If we are marked to die, we are enough to do our country loss. And if to live, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. 
God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. Brother, proclaim it, Westmoreland, through my host, that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made, and grounds for convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand at tiptoe when this day is named and arouse him at the name of Crispian. He that shall see this day and live old age will yearly, on the vigil, feast his neighbors and say, tomorrow is St. Crispin's. Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, these wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget. Yet all shall be forgot, but he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in their mouths as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester, be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, while Denny speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day! There it is. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. As we go through life together, men, we need each other. You know, when you look in the Bible, you see many examples of those bands of brothers. You see a great body of brotherhood through all Christendom, but you also see that group of men that work closely. Jesus himself pulled the twelve aside. Within the twelve, he had the three that were his closest brothers. We see Paul in all of his missionary journeys and in throughout the early church. He has those young men, those men he's leading and mentoring, Barnabas and, and Timothy and Silas and other men that throughout the, the New Testament is woven in there that you can tell as you read that story of their relationship together. And all of this is, is what uh, Robert Lewis is emphasizing is so important. We do not want to try to attempt to go through life all alone. And so what uh, happens in America is that we often have that friendless American male. An SMU study says the data indicates that even the most intimate of male friendships, of which there are few, rarely approach the depth of disclosure a woman commonly has with other women. Men are neither 
who neither bear themselves or bear with another or buddies in the are buddies in the name only. In other words, if you have buddies that you tag along, you go to a ball game, you go out to to play a round of golf, you play tennis with them. They're good. You may work out at the gym together, but you're not going to pull them aside and give their your deepest woe, your anxiety. What is what is it in life that you are struggling with right now? And now it is we want to look at some of those consequences, some of those things that happen. One of the things in our society, one of the uh, issues that we all have to deal with is our rapid-fire pace of life because the demands just escalate tremendously as we develop our careers. You remember all, all of us in here are pretty well old enough and out of school and what have you. Remember thinking, wow, if I can just grow up and be an adult, how, how cool it's going to be when I can make all, all my decisions and do what I want to do. We, we have careers, we have families, we develop uh, a relationship with our wives that's intimate and there's needs that we have to give there, our children, the responsibilities and other areas of life, all of those things crowd in upon us. And if we're not careful, we will reach midlife and we'll have a myriad of acquaintances, but we'll not have any true friends. Now, friendship is like everything else in life. You get out of life what you put into life. If you want friends, you need to learn how to be a friend. You need to seek out to be a friend to someone else. And by and large, in the scriptural principle of that which we give, God freely gives back to us. That's His plan of economy. And so if you really find yourself sitting here this morning saying, I'm not sure I have that kind of friendship, then purpose in your heart and challenge and ask God to help you develop that kind of friendship. Ask Him to bring into your life those people that can minister to you. Let's look here at some of the significant downsides to isolation. First and, and, and most critical above them is the warped perspectives on life. Warped perspectives on life. We all have as we said, those blind spots. If we do not have others, anyone in our life, another man that is close enough to point out some of our blind spots, to point out when we are getting off track, we are likely to go through life making some terrible, terrible mistakes. We are likely to face uh, situations that we create when if we had just had someone there close to us to help us, we could have made a better decision. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right unto man, but the way therein is death. In other words, we make the wrong decisions. The second one is loose living. Loose living. It's when we get off track and uh, no one's there to help hold us accountable. And we can find ourselves getting into uh, with even the wrong people who are not our true friends, but who love to lure you into situations that you wouldn't normally get into. And they will lure you into sin. And in fact, if you're not careful, 
you will allow yourself to fall into sin uh, by just being alone. Uh, Robert Lewis points out that one of the greatest temptations that most men face is when you find yourself on a trip or you're away and you're there. Nobody in the world knows who you are. You're very unusual if somewhere along that trip some temptation to sample the sins of life doesn't come into you. It may not be anything more than going in to have a drink or going into some situation, putting yourself in an atmosphere that gives the, de the devil an open door that you wouldn't normally put yourself in at home. Loose living. Proverbs uh, 18.1 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He's pleasing only to himself, his law unto himself, and he quarrels against all sound wisdom. It's um, even true in nature. We are meant to sort of be in herds. And just like in nature, when an animal allows itself to get a, separated from the herd, they're the ones, what, that become most vulnerable to the attack of the pursuer. And we all have a pursuer. We have an enemy. And the enemy loves nothing more than to get you out of the fellowship. By the way, that's one of the greatest temptations when we when we fail to stay faithful and active in our church. One reason it is so important. Uh, sometimes we ministers, I think, people look at us and think it's just all about beating the drum and getting people here, but we're trying to say to people, you need to be here with other people, other Christians, so that you can gain from our strength together. Thirdly is the, the loss of motivation for the noble things of life. You know, if we're out on our own, uh, we're not being encouraged, we're not being inspired. I think perhaps in your book, the, Robert Lewis may talk about we need a, a male cheerleader. I like what uh, Eric said uh, last semester. They came up with the male Yale leader. The male Yale leader, that person that's going to charge you on and encourage you and support you when you make uh, the good steps in life. Someone's there not to always just throw down on you all the bad things you do, but they're also got your eye and they're saying, praise the Lord, you made a good choice. And then another shortcoming, another danger, is, is the loss of opportunity for much-needed transparency. We really do need to be open to someone Certainly we need to be open before God and certainly the Holy Spirit within us in our quiet times can help provide a tremendous amount of introspection. But we can easily slip when we have no one else, no other man that's walking along with us. No other man that's given us that manly perspective on life. We can easily slip into believing that, uh, you know, nobody, nobody really cares or nobody really knows. Nobody's paying attention to me. We can even fall into believing nobody uh, that maybe I just don't even matter. Now, if that happens, uh, Robert Lewis says you face um, three, what he calls the three Ds, discouragement, depression, and endangered, endangered. And that, that, is, that is so true when we fail to have it. Now, I sort of, as I studied through this, I want to issue another call here for alarm. 
because I've also seen this through life. Many people, it's not so much that uh, they realize they don't have these close friends, and that's another group of folks, people that rise to the top, who get to that top rung of the ladder. You may have a lot of people around you that you think are your friends, but you hadn't developed that intimate friendship like we're talking about. And many times you can fall into those traps of feeling that, uh, hey, you, get a, you talk about a work perspective when you think you make every final decision and nobody is going to hold you accountable. I've seen a lot of men, a lot of men's lives eventually brought down to ruin because they reach a point where they feel they're no longer accountable. Well, let's look at some of the, some of the truths of Scripture. Proverbs 27:17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, no, so one man sharpeneth another. Just as iron sharpens iron, and that's how we uh, bring a good edge on a blade, we men need to sharpen one another. Proverbs 18:24. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I tell you, uh, many of you know that in your heart. You've already experienced that. Many of you long for that. I assure you, as I said earlier, pray for that. We're going to talk about how to, uh, more about how to develop that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one who lifts up his companion. But woe is the one who falls when there is not another one to lift him up. Oh, listen, that is so, so true. Now, I know you may be sitting here, and in the context of your mind and your life, you're thinking, oh, that's part of what my spouse does. Well, that is true. But in the context of our men's ministry and what we're saying here and in the biblical sense of what this is emphasized, there is a role for us as men to allow someone else of our own nature and gender to come into our lives in a holy relationship, a godly relationship to support us and encourage us to lift us up. Another passage here in Proverbs, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity, Proverbs 17:7 7, in Hebrews, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We ought to be encouraging and helping each other. And then in 1 Samuel, Jonathan loved David as his own life. These are just a, a, a few of the scriptures, if you search through that talks about. And then I would encourage you, as I said a moment ago, start reading with an eye in the Scripture of relationships that God used one with the other and through the Bible, man to man. So what can we do? What can you do to help in this area in your life? Well, learn three keys to friendship. First one is loyalty. Loyalty. It is that deeply personal committed friendship commitment commitment is something we struggle with today genuine earnest commitment commitment at all cost commitment that says i'm going to be loyal and i'm going to hang in there with you i'm going to be with you when you're up and i'm going to be with you when you're down i'm not going to be on the side throwing rocks at you i'm going to be doing my best to lift you up that's the kind of loyalty we're talking about Faithfulness to our values. I think at this point, one of the important things, especially for Christian men, is to find men who share your values. 
but then be true to those values. I can truthfully say I was blessed in that uh, my family did not, in the generation I grew up, we didn't have near the mobility that we do today. And uh, our family, uh, I lived in one house all my life, went to the same school all my life, went to one church since I remember being in the nursery. My pastor, all those years, is still alive. He's 80-something, about 87 years old. can uh, hardly uh, see, but I visit him every time I go to Memphis. He's one of those mentors. And, um, and you know, I, I can tell you I was blessed to have a group of friends that we grew up through high school, through church years together. And very unusual in our society, we remained very, very tight throughout all these years. But you know what? One of those guys has fallen out of the group because he eventually became unfaithful to our values. And no longer did we have that camaraderie and bond. And he turned his heart in a different way. So be faithful to the values of the group. Encouragement. It is, is you know, one of the strong keys is you. we all like to be around somebody that's telling us we're doing good. Don't you like to get a... I don't think we ever reach a stage of life where we don't like an attaboy. You know, somebody saying, man, way to go. That's good. You are making it. So if you want to develop friendships, observe in your heart, commit to observe these three keys right off the bat. Now, the, sec the second thing you can do is reach out to other men. There are ways in which we can be proactive. I mentioned earlier that uh, asking God. Ask God to give you that kind of friendship. Ask Him to bring those kind of men into your life. I mentioned the prayer that I prayed for Leon Kilbreth. And what an what a, uh, unusual answer to prayer. Because let me help you grasp what I'm talking about. The In the... In a church many years ago, we don't have this so much now. We have many concerts and we have leaders even there that come in and out, maybe even on a Beth Moore level for the ladies, you know, and that sort of thing. We used to have evangelists and, and speakers that were somewhat famous throughout our work who would blow into the church and they'd be there and they'd work a while and then they'd blow out and uh, they'd be gone. And generally, if you were 20-something and they were 50-something, um, you just sort of got uh, left in the dust. You did their work. They may pat you on the head and go on. But when I prayed that prayer, I had no idea how God would answer it. But I determined in my heart to help make that happen. So I started writing Brother Leon. And I would write him notes. And he started answering my notes. And then one day he was coming through Memphis, even though he, where I grew up, even though he wasn't going to be in Memphis, he called me and said, I'm going to pass through. Could we have breakfast and lunch? And what began to transition was he began to become that needy protege that saw something in me. And I heard him, and one of the critical values of that relationship is they encourage us and they lift us up and they are patting us on the back and they're saying, get with it, you can go. And so we need to reach out to other men to help do that and become proactive. We need to... Uh, Challenge men you like, challenge men you like, that's pretty important, to meet regularly with you to get better. Uh, I've done that through the years. Some of those groups have broken up because 
people get transferred or this, that, and another. But literally, uh, about six years ago, sitting in the hospital with a, uh, a new member of our church over at Metropolitan, <clears throat> the, um, I was sitting in the emergency room as the wife was having a very critical surgery. And somehow we had just sort of connected, and I thought I'd run out there and see how she was doing. And I got there and found no one else there, and so I stayed with him. And before the end of those several hours of anxiousness, he asked me, Ben, do you have a men's Bible study group right now? And I said, well, no, you know, I really don't right now. He said, would you form one with me? And so the two of us made a commitment to begin a Thursday morning Bible study in a Denny's, and we expanded and expanded till we had about eight or ten guys coming. And we maintained that regularly until God, uh, for about four years, and then some of them got transferred and this, that, and another. One, one of them broke those uh, commitment to the uh, values. But, you know, uh, to this day, we're all still pretty tight. And you have to reach out and challenge others and encourage them to be uh, a friend and join a group with you. He who walks with the wise grows wise. But the companion of fools suffer harm. I, I emphasized this a minute ago. It is so important that we choose the right friends. We all know from life that one of the things that can happen that can be so harmful is when we choose the wrong friends. You've heard that since you was a teenager and your, your parents were sharing that with you, but it is so true in life. And I've seen men who attach themselves to the wrong group of men and it really led to their destruction. So understand the context with which we're saying this is a godly thing that we're asking you to do. We're encouraging you to do. It is something that you need to seek out prayerfully those who share those values, those who believe as you believe, who can help you. Look at someone that you might say, man, I just wish I could get close to that person. I mean to tell you I'm more amazed in the years as they've grown on why in the world Brother Leon took notice in a 20-something-year-old kid. He was so busy, and now I understand how busy he was. He spoke in about, uh, even in a 52-week year, he'd do about 70 or 80 meetings all across America because he'd run into many of those for two or three days and go to another one. And yet he found a deep, deep personal time to spend time with me. And many, of it, many times it was just in a written word. So what can we do? We learn those three keys of friendship. We reach out to other men. We challenge men like you to meet regularly to uh, get better. And then we get real and share our hearts. It's what Robert Lewis calls soul talk. It's soul talk. We bear our souls with one another. Now, we have to be sure of our footing, and we want to be sure of the uh, relationship. And so you need to pray over that and seek uh, to do uh, make the right ones. And then lastly, we enjoy life together. Nothing draws men together better than just doing life together. You can already perhaps look back in your life and remember some of those childhood friends that were so close that maybe time and travel and transfers and college or whatever has taken them to far parts of the earth. And many of those friendships may never be restored. 
but you look back and you can already remember. And some of you are blessed and maybe at the stage of life where you can remember some of those like I spoke of that you did grow up together, but you've had a huge chunk of your life together. And you reflect on that as some of the, the most enjoyable, meaningful, significant moments in life is when you were doing something. When you, I, I have told, and uh, I mentioned a while ago my friend in town, it happens to be Dick Hill who leads music over at Champions Forest. We've been on staff together in three churches. We both served Metropolitan Baptists at different times. And our children were born together. Our children were raised together. Our daughters, who are in their early 30s, were roommates together in college. There's just a deep bind. And yet, I have mesmerized many a crowd telling crazy stories that Dick Hill and I have done through ministry, even though it was many years ago. You look back and you remember those. And I've been told by friends who I run into, Dick does the same thing. Just the mention of one of our names, and you're probably thinking of someone in your life right now that way. You can just remember some of those wild, crazy things that you did. Some of them you probably don't want to repeat, but uh, you, you did them, and it bound you together. And so we, we come to the, toward the end of this lesson. We remember what Shakespeare said there. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Robert Lewis shared an illustration uh, that I'll close with. He closed with it, and it was powerful. It's about a World War One. Some friends during World War One. If you've studied your American history, you know that was a very, very deadly war. Man was just coming into the age of some of the super weapons and and uh, things like machine guns that we didn't fully grasp the power that they could they could deliver. And so we were trying to fight that war in the same way we fought wars when people were just shooting a single bullet or a single arrow at us. And we would send many a young man up over trenches and out across what was no man's land only to be mowed down by a machine gun. And many times it was just the sheer numbers of men that we could send up and over that trench to overwhelm the enemy was the way we over, overcome the enemy's lines. I say we, both sides of that war. It was a deadly war. And he tells about two men that in the trenches and in the battles formed a bond and a friendship. They were named Bill and Jim. And how close they were. And how intimate they became. And pretty soon they would share in the quiet moments of battle, what uh, are you going to do when we, if we survive? And they began to pledge their lives out ahead together. And one day they both were called upon to go up and over the trenches and out into that no man's land. And only when they got to the next trench or got back to their trench, uh, Jim was not there. And so Bill looked up and started to find, or Jim, Bill looked up and started to go find Jim. When he started to climb out of his uh, trench, his commanding officer grabbed him and said, you don't need to go, your friend is finished. But when the officer turned his back, he went anyway. And then in a little while, Bill come back down in the lines alone into the trenches. 
And his officer said, did you find Jim? And he said, yes, he's gone. And he said, see, I told you that was a foolish thing. It was a wasted thing. It was, it was the worst thing you could do. And he said, no, it wasn't, because when I got there, he was alive. And his commanding officer said to him, well, what did he say to you? And he said, he looked up into my face and said, Bill, I knew you would come. That's the kind of friendship we're talking about. That's the kind of bond we need. When we will put it all on the line for each other, when we will stand by each other in the good times and in the bad times. Let's have a word of prayer and we will go into our groups. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that you loved us enough to send Jesus to us as our Savior. We thank you that you have guided us and directed us and give us the opportunity to do life with other Christians and other brothers. Your Word indicates throughout the Word that we've even looked at the Scriptures this morning that we need one another. It's beyond a want. It's beyond a desire. It is a need. And so, God, we would pray that You would help us all to find and cultivate and develop that strong male friend who can be closer than a brother. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.